This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I am Sean Anderson. I am joined by Ricky Wimmer. Hey, guys. And Dave Oster. How's it going? And today we got a great lineup, great topics on tap. We're talking Thon Maker. Where do we think he's going to go if he's eligible for the draft? Uh, so we're going to talk, will he be eligible? Like, you know, looking at the rules, breaking it down. Will Thon Maker be eligible for the draft? And then where he, will he would go, what we think of him as a prospect if he is eligible. Then we're going to talk about Sam Hinkie resigning. Probably air quotes around that one. Uh, well, you know, the plan was in place, but now the man with the plan is gone. And then we're going to talk about Phil Jackson and possibly him leaving New York. Or if, you know, the whole Phil Jackson project has worked out in New York. Because now they're talking about Kurt Rambis possibly being the head coach for the Knicks next year. We're going to jump right in. Thon Maker you guys think he will be eligible, and do you think the NBA will clear him as an eligible player to be drafted in the 2016 NBA draft? I really don't know if they're going to, like, the NBA, the big thing is, oh, has he found a loophole? I don't know if the NBA is going to let him become eligible for the draft, but I want to tell you this, guys. There is somebody who is eligible for the draft. I think a certain wooden award winner, <laughs> Buddy Heal, he's in the draft. He's good to go. Thon Maker, I don't know. This Buddy Heald guy, I haven't heard you talk about him much. Seriously, oh, no, he's a, he's a new kid to come on. Like, some would say I'm a, um, a Buddy Heald guy. I don't think you've ever mentioned him. No, this, I, the first this is time, the first time I'm mentioning him. I don't him. even think, yeah, this is weird, man. I, Buddy Heald, yeah, all right. But, uh, Dave, what are your what are your thoughts on Thon Maker? Do you think he'll be eligible for the NBA draft this year? I mean, I think Thon Maker could be something, but I think we're onto something with this Buddy Heald guy. I want to audible this chat right now. <laughs> we are. I mean, Buddy right. Heald's a great player. We'll talk Buddy Heald now. Um... <laughs> But in all seriousness, with all the comments we're getting about Buddy Heald and how we only talk Buddy Heald, we'll actually talk, you know, different prospects today and we're going to go into the Thonmaker talk. Wooden Award winner. Just can't say it enough. <laughs> I think that says it all, actually. Oh, my God. All right. Thonmaker. Let's get on to Thonmaker. This this guy's in high school. Wasn't even eligible for the Wooden Award winning. Wooden Awards. All right. So. Yeah. So, but here's the thing, and I'm just going to cut you off and go right into it because that's what I like to do, Sean. You do that a lot. The one thing about Thon Maker, and I don't know if you guys are on the same page as me, but I see him, and you look at the mixtape and you go, wow, holy shit, he's tall. Holy crap, he just blocked it out of the gym. But then I go, okay, I'm very skeptical of this guy. I, To me, I don't know if he's going to be... I think we're overhyping him. Well, first off, the question is, will he be even eligible for the NBA draft? Because, you know, we, we, we look at him, and he's 19, and that's, you know, that's the age that you need to be that's to be drafted requirement. by the, yep. You need to be drafted by the NBA, and you also need to be one year removed from high school. Now, he is a fifth-year postgraduate high school senior, so technically he has been, you know, he's done his four years in high school. Yeah. So do you think that counts enough? Do you think that the NBA will see this and be like, okay— He's been out of high school for a year, even though he's still been playing for his high school team. I think this is huge for the NBA because he's an international player Mm -hmm. who came over from South Africa, did some time in the States, and then eventually ends up in Canada. And their precedent here could really set something going forward for future players. If there is this sort of a loophole where, okay, in Canada, it's more normal to do four years and then you can come back for Mm -hmm. fifth, either finish up a couple classes, bring up the GPA uh, to get into a better school. But in in America... It's more traditional. You can maybe do a year off after and you go straight to college or whatever. But high school is four years in America. That's just normal. Yeah. So in the NBA is post-America mostly. So 
it's going to be interesting to see which way they want to go on this. I think personally, it's one year out of your graduation date. So he technically graduated high school. He is done. He's just been playing basketball this last year, really. So I think he should be eligible at this point. See, I'm on the uh, like I'm on the side where it's do I know what the NBA is going to do? No, and let's be honest, that's way above my pay grade of deciding <laughs> whether or not he no, should I be think you should roll with this in one. the NBA this draft. This seems right in your alley. But yeah. I will say this. I don't think Buddy Heald's in the title if, description or job no. description for this one, so I don't think Ricky's interested. No, well, the, it's above <laughs> my pay grade. But the one thing I will say is if I am Thon Maker, I know you want to go to the NBA, you want to play with the big boys, but it's going to be better for Thon if the NBA says no, you have to go to college. Well, let me throw this out there because we saw, you know, in in the 2015 Nike Hoop Summit, he was going, he was playing with Scale, and you know, we saw the Ben thing Simmons. With, yeah, Ben he Simmons. He had a lot of the names. But we, I'm, I'm mainly going with the Scale thing here. You know, right. obviously, obviously, he's playing with you know the, the whole draft class now. He, he's he's familiar with these guys. You know, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, all these guys. Um, but the thing with Scale was, you know, he had this great AAU run. He, you know, he he impressed in like the all the all the uh, all the showings. But then he got to Kentucky and he really fell flat. So maybe he's seeing scale and saying, I don't want to test out college because what if, you know, this doesn't go right and I completely fall off because right now he's projected, you know, late first round. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's thinking, I want to take my money while it's still there and I don't want to take a chance for it to fall. Even if he believes in himself and even if he thinks he'll be going go into college and even improve his draft stock, he might not want to take that chance or he might not even want to take that chance to get injured. And he's probably looking like, all right, I can get a paycheck right away. Well, and that's the big thing. Any fucking conversation that we've had. About anything, I can just imagine Dave in my head going, "But but but, gotta take the money. You gotta take the money. That's what you do. We have the like, when you have the chance, no, no, it's no, hard no, to pass up." But what I'm saying is that's where we're at right now in kind of sports as a whole, where everyone's saying, "Take the money, take the money, take the money." However, the way I'm looking at it, and SI.com has a great article where they're. Just ask an NBA writers. There's an anonymous scout in there. There's an NBA executive. They're just asking them what they think of Thon Maker. And I'm looking through most of them, and most of them aren't good. The one I'm looking at right now, Ben um, Golliver, an NBA writer, at the very end says, well, forget the physical and um, mental basketball questions we have for a second. And just ponder whether mentally Thon Maker is ready to spend the next few years on the end of the bench or in the D League. I mean, he might he might impress, and he might you know he might not be a bench warmer. But we can say that you know obviously but obviously let, the physical tools are there. But not, let me put it this way: the potent when we talk potential with Thon Maker, it's a bigger question mark. Than the shit I gave you last week with Jamal Murray. Okay, well Jamal Murray, the two. Different I would players even argue here. it's more than Scal, because we've seen what Scal can do against college level competition for the last year. Nothing impressive. Nothing impressive. Exactly. What have we seen Thon Maker doing this last year? He's played against uh, against high school players, which he has a year on. He has incredible mm-hmm. height and weight on at this time, even though he's still underweight for you know seven for the player. NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I, I'm in. In no way in a positive light on this. I mm-hmm. think you have to be prepared to go into the NBA and be at the end of that bench. Be prepared to be a uh, two-year project player because there's zero, I don't want to say zero, not negative, but there's a very low chance of that, you know. And 
all the upside versus all the downside, mm-hmm. you have to know that before you make your decision to go to the NBA. You can't go, oh, I'm going to go to the NBA, I'm going to be a great player, I'm going to have no troubles in my future. No, you have to know, if I go to the NBA, could I get screwed over? Could I go late, you know, late second round, make very little money, be at the end of a bench, non-guaranteed contract style? I mean, that could happen. The best case scenario for Thon Maker is that he goes late first round, ends up like a team like Toronto, I'm going to say, where it's like, you know what, playoff contender, we don't need you to be anything special for us, just sit there and develop. I, That's the best case scenario for Thon Maker. I disagree in that he's a late first round pick. No, I think I'm he's saying late. that's the best case scenario for his career to develop into. Oh, okay. A so great like player, for de- develop yeah. wise, like developmentally well, wise, it would be better for him to go late to a team like. I'm throwing them out because they're like a playoff team that doesn't need. Yeah, but you mentioned a Tor- guy to step in. You mentioned Toronto. They have a top ten pick. So if I mean, mm-hmm. if they're if they're looking at him, then they maybe think they're not. He's not going to be you know at at that same position where you know deep in the deep in the first they might take a j- risk the thing is with thon maker that i see i i see him being like a late lottery pick at the worst because yeah. of the potential and the size that he has the game you know it has its strengths obviously the the kid is he looks really fluid when he when he looks good like he looks fluid he looks like a guard when he's controlling mm-hmm. the ball and it's just like you know he can jump like his euro steps amazing and he could just he, he could fly to the basket but he seems like a center that wants to be Steph Curry he wants well, to I don't be know, a guard Steph Curry. he wants he wants he, to be he, more of a guard he needs to find his he role have the same as a handle. 7 foot 1 i think i think that's exactly the issue he's got smaller hands his handle mm-hmm. isn't as clean as it should be for a guard role mm-hmm. i mean I know he's a seven for it's a ridiculous talk about him like a guard, but it's his play style that lends himself to that. Maybe that's because he hasn't put on the weight, built up the strength to play hard in the paint. So he's defaulting out to these shots, which is great because his shot actually has become a lot more fluid. Mm-hmm. He, I don't want to say a natural shooter, but he's getting there. Well, his stroke is very pretty. Like but, it's a, it's a it's a good looking stroke. Like if but the thing is, it's like, are you going to take the guy who's seven foot who's going to settle on the outside for a jumper? Or the guy who can go in the paint and dominate low like a DeMarcus Cousins. And that's the that's the question the NBA today, honestly, that's split on. So there's a lot of questions on how to develop his own game. Well, the thing is, like, I mean, if you're comparing the top the top big man who is basically, I think everyone agrees that it's Dra- Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender. So it'd be, it would be Bender versus Maker. You know, Bender has that three-point shot already. He looks very fluid with the ball. He looks like he has that control down. So, I mean, you might look at him, compare, you think Bender's the better player. Well, and now with so, Bender, it's it's come out that he's not a draft and stasher anymore, right? No, he, he's going to be a— He's going to be He's going to be bought out of— play. Yeah, he's going to be bought out okay. of his contract, and he's going to be playing in the NBA. So you're both getting, you know, immediate mm-hmm. contributions from these guys. See, Thon— the thing is, you know, I agree that he can't play the post. Like he, he's not going to be a guy who you're going to throw into the post. So maybe he, you know, he's listed as a center, but maybe he he does become that kind of stretch four because you don't want him if you, if you're going to put him in and you're going to go up against like a Demarcus Cousins or like an mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, oh, he's going to get destroyed. His life will be hell. He was he's going to get destroyed. And he, you know, I brought up scale before, and I'm going to bring up again. There's there was one on one drills that uh, they did in uh, in the uh, 2015 Nike Hoop Summit, uh, and you know. Scale was just backing him down in the post, and 
he looked bad. But like the thing with Thon is he can still like he's so athletic, like he can be a rim protector because he could just jump like jump out of the building. He's so long and athletic. He'll suck up rebounds too. Oh yeah, he, I mean he'll kind of be like Whiteside. Like Whiteside, I mean he isn't. He, like White, he isn't. Whiteside's developed so well though as a mm-hmm. defender. I would even, I wouldn't make the comparison yet. I think Thon is still not natural in the paint. But what, I, what I'm saying, like even like last year when Whiteside wasn't fully developed, like Whiteside could block the shit out of the ball. Like yeah. he's, he was he just long and athletic, it. and you know even rebounding wise, like he he got it. The thing with Maker is I feel like he's more versatile, mm-hmm. and I think that's gonna have teams biting early, and especially if he you know impresses in the combine, I think people will bite on him early. And I just think like you know the, the, the I think late first round is kind of a push. Like I think that's kind of just like out there. I think I think it's he's going to be late lottery. It's that scary word potential. It's the same yeah. reason that Scal is still a lottery pick because of potential. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether it'd be worth drafting that high mm-hmm. because again we haven't seen him play against top tier competition over a year. So we're getting a mystery as far as that goes. The last time he did play against top tier in this coming draft class, he absolutely got blown out by everybody and. Very very shaky performance. Mm-hmm. His international play, shaky at best. I haven't seen that dominance out of him. Well, and I'm going to actually, because I've this is going to be the second and third time I reference it, I'm going to leave the SI article. No, I'm going to leave oh, okay. the SI article that um, I'm looking at down in the description. And every single person that they cite in this roundtable all says the same thing. It's all his mentally, like his mental makeup, is he mentally ready for the NBA, and the one thing to kind of that bringing from you guys that I just can't stop looking at here is their anonymous NBA scout that they have in here. They he said that well, okay, you look at him, and then he looked he like looked at Kevin Durant, and it's like oh well, he could be well no, Kevin Durant was a sure shot, and the thing is we've been saying since he was in tenth grade, oh he's gonna be he's gonna be. And now he's in 12th, and we're still not saying he's a sure shot. And there's no evolution in his game. So if there's no evolution now, what makes you think that it may even be there in the pros? Like, something's just going to change like that? I think I think what they're mainly referencing is, like, if you look at the mixtape from his sophomore year and you look at his mixtape from his fifth, his second senior year in high school, there's it, it looks like the same player. It doesn't look like, you know, he's still got these thunderous dunks. He's still got his, these thunderous blocks. He still has this great ball handling, but it really yeah, doesn't I seem like... the ball handling well, personally. Well, no, but, but like uh, in a mixtape. They're not going to put like, no, oh, course, yeah, yeah. Here, here's him like fumbling the ball. No, you're right. Fine. Um, but like, you know, he it really doesn't seem like he's changed that much. But, you know, so that means, you know, in a good way, he has all these things where like, wow, if you look at his mixtape, he's fantastic. But then like you have to look at the weaknesses where he has like he he, you know, can he can pass. There's some passes out there he has in these mixtapes where it's like, whoa, this is like this is impressive. Like going throwing it between the legs like, you know, it, it's he's he's got great court vision in this mixtape. But then if you look at him in like that Nike hoop, some you game, watch an entire gameplay and it's a lot of questions. out There's there. one pass where he missed the like I think he missed Jamal Murray about like 15 feet. Like it was it was bad. And I think, you know, when you're going up against, you know, top competition and looking at him against top competition, two points, 0 for 4 or 0 for 5 from the field. I mean, he did have 10 rebounds and five of them were offensive, but I mean, he can't finish around the rim. Yeah. And just really quick, because I know you want to get in there. I just want to, my best little snippet from this is Andrew Sharp. And I mentioned this to you guys before we hit record where he goes, if I had to do a perfect role, he'd be like that third high energy big man one day, like a Jermaine Jones. And he goes, 
but maybe that's because I want an excuse to remember Jermaine Jones. I think I think he's going to be better than that. I think he's going to be better <laughs> than that. I mean, like again, if it if he develops, it, it might be something we've never seen before. Because you know we haven't seen a center who mm-hmm. can a seven foot center who can dribble the ball like this. It, like if he if he turns into a human mixtape, then yeah, this is going to be something we've never seen before. But it's really is he going to be put in the right place to develop? Is he going to you know have enough time to develop? Are people going to want to take that risk for him to develop? Because he's pretty raw, like in the sense, like he doesn't really have a position, but you really don't want to put him at like a guy where he's, you know, a position where he's, you know, handling the ball. He's not going to be coming off screens for shots. You're not going to put him in the post because he doesn't, he can't play the post. So he's very raw in that sense. On defense, you know, you can put him in the middle. He's going to block shots. But really, you know, he's going to average three blocks a game, but he's going to get beat up in the post if you put him against anyone, any NBA center. Right. No, I think either it's really incredibly stupid or really smart from his behalf, one way or the other, the way he's treated this whole situation. Right now, he has completely hidden himself away from top-tier talent. So, by comparison, he has age, he has height, he has strength on his side against everybody he plays against. So, he can put up these ridiculous highlight reels, like you said, and all people can say is, yeah, well, there's questions about his game still. But you can't make that direct comparison to anyone because he hasn't played anyone in a year. At the same time, he's protecting his own draft stock by doing that. But the problem is he's stunted his own development, like we've said, Mm -hmm. where his game hasn't changed. He hasn't evolved his game because he hasn't had to evolve his game. He hasn't gone up against something consistently enough that has given him a problem. So when I'm seeing his development, I'm seeing culture shock. If he hits the NBA court and is going up against these full-grown men... And he needs to put on about 20 pounds of muscle at this point. He's shaky at best. His his upper body is closer to where it needs to be, but his legs are like twigs. He's unstable, and there's not a chance that he won't get rocked out of that building. And I'm thing- telling you, the best thing that the best decision that could go in his favor is if the NBA says, no, you got to go to school. I, because I th- then we can see a little bit of that development because that's going to be the best case scenario for him. I think, I think. I, I see where you're coming from, but I think you know he's going to take the guaranteed money. He's going to take you know. No, I'm he's going to take first round money. No, 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 no. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he makes no, the decision. No, I'm saying the saying. NBA. Yeah. If they say, hey, you know what, you can't come into the draft. That's going to be a blessing in disguise I, I, for him. I absolutely agree with you. I think a year in Kansas to build up physically. Or Indiana, or either Dame. of those two. You know, you know, one of those, one of those couple schools. Go play for uh, Bill Self or Tom Crean. Yeah. I mean, he was thinking about Notre Dame, so I mean, it's a great place. Why not just uh-huh. come, come to Notre Dame? Uh-huh. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Okay, Mister Fanboy. <laughs> but but the point is, build up yourself, mm-hmm. play against that top tier talent, improve yourself. Right now, it comes off looking like a like interesting tactic that he's avoided that his entire time, mm-hmm. and you know he's going to keep doing that until he gets that paycheck. Like the and it's going to be too late after you pay this guy mm-hmm. if you do that. And that's my concern because I think you're right. I think it's going to be a year of development to build up physically. Mentally, I don't know if he'll recover if he gets beat down right off the bat. So, However, I will go to another side. If he does get into the NBA draft, a team that would be pretty good for him, the Celtics. You will, yeah, because they have enough picks to yeah. you know, try well, out. Not just, well, not not just that. Picks. They can take him yeah, at 22. Depth. 
They have depth at the big man to where it's like, okay, Thon, just work on your game with Brad Stevens. Give him some time. I mean, you can share minutes because they've got enough people out mm-hmm. there. So, F- well, finally, where do you where do you think he's going to go if he if he is eligible to go in and he has you know a a, a a combine where he doesn't like impress impress, but he doesn't like you know completely fall off where he's just he stays at the mm-hmm. same stock. Where do you think he would go? The earliest I would take him at is at twenty two. Where would you take him, Dave? Where do you think he 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 falls in where range? Would I with, take with, him with where he falls? Twenty two and below. Give me both. Is give where me, he'll go. Give me both. Twenty two or Dave. below. All right. I think where he should go is probably very late one, maybe twenty five and up. Uh, but where I think he goes is probably I think it'll be somewhere between fifteen and twenty. See, I'm I'm in agreement. I think it's going to be. 16 to 10 10 to 16 I think wow. he's gonna I think he's gonna go higher than that just because of the potential and the size but if I'm looking at him this is not where I would take him Ricky I'm, no, I'm saying, just I'm, I'm just saying shaking this is my where, head this because is, why are you shaking your head because I'm just saying like that's a team where if you take him 10 to 16 or even higher we're talking about him being a bust I'm not saying I, I no, no, I'm no, taking I'm, him here I'm shaking my head because any team would be stupid to take him between 10 and 16. But I mean, all right, so see, another can, player in that range, Jakob Puddle. Well, see, I mean, how does he compare? Well, he's he's a true big man, but I mean, you know, obviously, I think there's a lot more potential on the mm-hmm. maker side than Puddle. So, but I, more guy, the guy I was really going to compare to was Ivan Rapp. So, you look at Maker, he's got the shot, he's got the ability or the potential to become a, a guy who could handle the ball a bit. But, you know, Rob and Maker, both athletic. They are both excellent rebounders and great shot blockers. They're, you know, they can finish strong at the rim if they have a full head of steam. And But the thing with Rob is he's got soft hands. Maker, we keep talking about it. He doesn't seem like he's got the best handle of the ball right now. But, you know, Rob needs to add strength. Maker needs to add strength. Both of them are very, you know, un- unpolished, like, offensively. And, you know, Rob needs to, you know, put polish on his low post move. Maker, same thing there. But the thing is, Rob was playing against NCAA talent, where Don Maker was playing his fifth year of high school. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I would take him, like, you know, seventeen to twenty-five. I think he's going to go in that range. I don't think he's going to go that high. I think he's a top five big man in this in this you know in this draft. But I think the need for a big man isn't that high, and I think the the question marks around his potential is going to make him fall a little bit. So, so here's my question. I mean, I think a lot of people want to know is after watching Scal make him a bitch look like, you know, <laughs> look like a bitch last year, Scal over him still? I mean, we oh, watched yeah, Scal underperform yeah. on a pretty dramatic level. It was, you know, utmost high expectations. I think he was a top five prospect. And, you know, at this point, they've got him somewhere 13 to probably 13 is an average position for him. And you're saying Thon with all this potential, all this upside, and against no ones. I would I would probably say Scale still, just well, because Scale was playing against the best of the best, exactly. And he still had spots where he looked looked okay. You could see a glimmer of hope you out could, there. You could see it, and you the know the mental questions are greater for Thon than they are Scale. I don't know about that. I think I think Scale's season might have hurt him a lot. I think Scale, you know, going in as a top a, a top three recruit. And then underperforming so much where you know Calipari barely trusted him, I think that might scar him and that that I might shake him see, up. See, I'm bit. from the other side. I think that see the season that he had in Kentucky was obviously not a good one at all. But he's now in the middle of facing that adversity. Thon Maker thinks he's on top already. That's I'm what I'm getting with from you, Thon. Ricky. And I mean Thon is going to go in and 
struggle in the NBA right away. And how do you overcome that adversity? Scales already had to face it. Yeah, he he's one step ahead of him at this point in his career. And I'm I'm absolutely with you. I think that Scale not only being in the NCAA just for a year because again the talent level, but I think the environment really helps you develop because this is a guy Thon Maker who's been living in high school. And let's be honest, high school to college is a pretty big difference as far as your lifestyle goes mm-hmm. and the people around you. And I mean even more if you went you know, a career abroad, like uh, you know, last year with Moutier mm-hmm. going over to China. And, I mean... Well, that was how, a more of a fuck the NCAA but, than But, again, anything. what that did to him was it sped up his uh, maturation. Like, he was yeah. much more mature coming out of that, playing a year in China with these older, more developed guys. And it's kind of like a strange environment to him. With Thon, Thon's been playing. He's got his whole—he's got—not his whole family, but he's got family in the area. He's got people he's been familiar with his whole life. He's never been out of his comfort mm-hmm. zone, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he needs to do that. The thing, and with, it's going to be bad when he goes to the NBA if he goes. The thing with Scale is too, he was playing with the one of the greatest coaches of all time. He yeah. was under John Calipari. I mean, that's a well, pretty why good. Do you, why do you think a pretty one good of the reasons right he there. probably went to Kentucky was because of the coach? Yeah. So I mean, I think I think Scale will be taken above Maker just because we saw him against NCAA teams. I think that's just what's going to happen. Would I take it? I'm still iffy on it just because, you know, we didn't see Thon slip, but we did see scale. Because there's there's positive and, you know, both of them have potential question marks written all over But they've got potential off the charts. It's potential off the charts, but there's still a ton of question marks around them. But it's like, all right, Thon didn't have that drop that scale had, but Mm -hmm. scale also beat him one-on-one last year. So it's like, there's balance. It's like, I have no idea. So, I mean, like, I think they're neck and neck right now. My bottom line on Thon is right now hype machine, and it's puzzle like not puzzling, but it's I'm very skeptical of a guy that, like I said, all these writers and all the scouts and executives are all saying the same thing: two to three years away, two to three years away. Always oh, a role guy, always oh, a bench guy, always oh, this guy, and none of them are stay- saying he's a starter. I think one thing that is for sure is no matter what our opinions are on this, we are going to get roasted in the comments. So anyways, I, I, got, a, I got a couple of yeah. closing thoughts yeah, on right. that. Go ahead. Another guy who was three-year project. Mm-hmm. I'm not even coming close to saying it, but Christoph Porzingis. That was, that was another guy who was under underweight for what we expected, but he had a much more developed game than Thon So did. you're saying if Phil Jackson comes out and says he likes Thon Maker, then I he's going to be something. Clearly. That's that's <laughs> the line where we're like, all right, guys, that's it. Give it up. <laughs> but, no, I mean, that's the question is, if he is that far out and, you know, since his game hasn't developed, there's so many questions. I don't, I just don't like him going. There's, I don't go I don't to school. The Stay. Do what Scale did. Stay in school. I mean, you said Scale got to play under a great coach in um, – Calipari, if he goes to Kansas, gets to play with Bill Self. All right, now getting away from Thon Maker, getting away from the draft. Well, not really getting away from the draft because this man loves the loves the NBA draft and loves accum- accumulating picks. But uh, we're going to talk about Sam Hinkie resigning or resigning as the Philadelphia 76ers head or GM. I was going to say head GM. GM. Uh, what do you think about this move for Sam Hinkie? Do you think it's going to be? The right move for the Philadelphia Sixers in the long run. Do you think Hinky was really doing well with his you know plan? Do you think the plan was working out well? And do you think this might put the Sixers back even worse somehow? Uh, does the are we for sure that the plan is going to change with Hinky out, or was this a okay? Well, 
we're losing a lot, and you're kind of the spokesperson for what we're doing here. So we're basically going to sacrificial goat you. And you're out the door, you take all the blame, but we still continue to do what the plan is. And that's trust in the process. But what if? But what, I mean, what if they don't do the process the way Hinky saw the process? I mean, well, that's that, what I'm asking. Are, are we changing the process? Is the process becoming a different thing now, or is it he's just a sacrificial lamb? Then that's I, I think he's going to end up as a sacrificial lamb because he's taken all the losses. I think uh, career wise, and it is three years. He had about fifty five wins or so around there. About twenty twenty the first two seasons, and now ten this season. So. You can't keep someone, regardless of however good the plan sounds, in a position like that publicly. There, there's no way you can afford to do that. As an organization, everyone looks in and just says, nope, you gave up on this. You're just saving money and making money, and that's your whole thing. You don't care about basketball. But I feel in my heart of hearts that Sam Hankey actually wants to see the Sixers succeed. He wants mm-hmm. to see this franchise. All of his moves obviously aren't golden, but the ones that you know he has made... There's potential for him to pay off really well, really big. But now, I mean, you look who's now taking over. You're going to have Jerry Colangelo and his son take over. Do you think Colangelo's, the Colangelo's can really... The Colangelo's. Colangelo's. Do you think they can really further this process? And do you think they can take all this potential that the Sixers have in Okafor, Embiid, Noel, and actually... Did you just say Okafor? Okafor. You think he's got more potential? I think this is like, this is his game and that's what it is at this point. I think I know. he's got more potential. I mean, from a defensive side, he, he can develop. Fair he, could, he, could, he could still turn in. I mean, maybe he develops a further shot. But, I mean, Embiid, we haven't even seen if he could That's, stay healthy. Yeah. Noel doesn't have really an offensive game. He's, he's a great shot blocker. So, I mean, Noel and Okafor work well together. So, do you think you know they can take that potential and even push it further, especially if they get the number one draft pick? I think moves like Embiid, where every warning under the sun was given that this man is a walking injury and he won't mm-hmm. see the court. And regardless, they're still they still took him. The moves like that is why Sam Hinkie probably isn't here anymore, because if he had been injury free, would have been a top pick overall, not even questionable. He has an elite offensive and defensive game. He can play flat out play, but if he can't get on the court, it doesn't matter. What I do love is the fact that the glimpses of Embiid that we have seen looks like he's been a workout monster. He's completely built up. And I, I think on the court he would just rip people to shreds, but we need to actually see him on the court. See, the 76ers, I, I don't think that just because Hinky's gone that, oh, they're going to start winning games. Here's the thing you need to do. Well, you need talent if on you're that the team seven, No, games. no, not just talent. But I'm just saying you win need, games. You need veterans. And I look at this team. No fucking veterans. Carl they need, Landry, Elton they Brand need are to, veterans. Wait, they need to go out. And get a guy. They need to make a big free agent splash. The thing is, it's hard to do that convince when your someone, team sucks. That's yes, exactly say, it. Convince you can't convince anyone to go to Philly. For unless, how many millions of dollars? Unless mm. Kobe was not retiring and you'd convince him to come home one more year. No, Kobe would never come home. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Never. And Kobe's need, not going to add anything. They need to get something in free agency that's going to help them. Because that's well, the so, thing that I think this team is lacking is that veteran kind of, not a superstar, but somebody that's like, okay, he's our star, he's our veteran star player. 
That's what they're missing. I mean, but but you think well, you got to draft people. I mean, they're they obviously have the draft picks to draft someone no, who I could know. turn into the superstar. But there. I'm saying they need. That's the main part they're missing is they've got all these fucking rookies and youth. Well, I mean, they've had, they they've had good performances in the past. They've had Michael Carter Williams, who came out and was the top rookie in the NBA. He all-star style performance but i'm not and talking they gave him up. i'm not but he ta- also hasn't done anything since they gave him up i'm not so talking about just performance i'm talking about i look at the 76ers and i don't see like a for sure leader like with the bulls you could say either Derek or jimmy with the uh lakers you say it's kobe with i mean i know those are superstars but they don't have that veteran that's like Boom. See the thing, team. the thing that you're talking about here, though, it feels like you're you're saying that Sixers should be good right now. I don't think the Sixers are even close to being good. And I think no, you know, I don't I, think they is, should be is, good. I think they're a year away from the Timberwolves of this year. I think they're a, a, a kind of further than that. But I mean, like, still, I think Hinky had this plan. He had this idea, and he was you know furthering it through. And now I don't see this this plan being furthered, and I don't mm-hmm. see this becoming a, a thought out plan where like where the Timberwolves had a thought out plan, like they had a star, a veteran kind of. He was developing into a veteran and Kevin Love, but they saw that you know they can get more than just that, and they could have a brighter future. So they obviously went and did that, and now they are looking like they're going to be you know uh, an NBA you know championship you know, mean, contender in the next couple of years. Yeah. So I mean, I think with. Losing Hinky, you're going to lose that vision, and I think you're going to really get taken over here by like the idea of we need to be good so we get money. So they're going to throw money at like top free agents, but they're not either going to come or they're going to get the wrong free agents, and I don't think it's going to work out. I think the Sixers are going to still be in this state where they're going to be terrible. I feel like the Sixers, for whatever reason, and I mean, I know Hinky's not there anymore, but like I could see them dropping cash on like Dwight Howard or Whiteside because you know what they need? Another big center. I completely agree. Like, I, I see them this team, fucking mm-hmm. up royally. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Free agency, they're not. They need to land a guard. Period. They, they need a veteran guard or at least a semi-experienced guard to help this team because they've got big talent out the fucking asshole. And like <laughs> they've got them stashed overseas. They've got them on the bench. They've got them on the injured list. Like everywhere you look, you got bigs. You you need a guard. You need someone who can handle the ball well. We've seen some good things out of T.J. McConnell, but the problem is it's just because he's gotten the most playing time. I mean— It's this, Michael Carr Williams syndrome. This is kind of, like, Like, surprising. when you're by default the only one with the ball— Because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about no guard for 76ers. Your boy Ish Smith is on this team. You're not I giving love Ish. Ish, but he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, all right. Ish has proved enough that he will go somewhere else and be a backup. And just think of this, and this is the one thing that I think kind of sums up the whole— he, I know that there have been— Things written, things said that, oh, you can't judge the hinky kind of era just yet. It's going to take some time. Absolutely. But this is something where it was just in 2012. So four years ago, yep. this Sixers team was a playoff team that beat the Bulls. Yes, Derrick Rose got injured, but they beat the 50-win, 16-loss Bulls, who I thought, hey, you know what? We actually may have a shot to meet the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. And then we lose to the Sixers. And then the next year, they were still like a ninth seed or the ninth spot in the East. And now they're like, what, a nine-win team? Evan Turner, Thaddeus Young, No, that's Spencer what I'm Haas. saying. Like, everything They, they is, emptied out their core. Like, why? Like, that alone is like, that is what you have become. This team was on the verge of... You're either going to make it and move up, kind of like what we're talking about the Celtics this year, 
or they or you can go in reverse and they went in reverse and they just fucking tanked. But, but then they still have all these picks. But yeah, I mean, see you look you look at that team that like you mentioned the 2011-2012. I mean, you had Andre Iguodala who was in the Sixers for mm-hmm. forever, but he really never took that leap and you could tell that he was getting tired. So they're like, "All right, let's make a move for someone who we think has a lot of potential in Andrew Bynum." And then they did the whole trade with Melo and then Bynum came Came here, then they sent on. Spencer so, Hawes was on that team, yeah. Dallas' favorite player. V- Vucevic, from, who's now on the Magic, was on that team. Evan Turner, who's now kind of finding a re- re- rejuvenation in his career and on the Celtics. You had Thad Young backing up Andre Godala. You had Drew Holiday. Lou Williams was on that team. They had a pretty solid team. They did, and it's it, it's just – but you all could also could see why they why they did get, went away from that because – Andre Iguodala is getting older, and now you know he's doing fantastic in the Warriors, but he's mm-hmm. also the sixth man. He's not the guy anymore. Yeah. So if they had Andre Iguodala, you know they traded him where his, when his mm-hmm. trade trade value was high right. enough. Probably traded for the wrong guy, and Andre Bynum, obviously. But you know, and then you look at Evan Turner; he never really developed in the Sixers. Now he's trying to, you know, if he's got the right coach around him and Brad Stevens. Drew Holiday has always been he, he does everything well, but he doesn't do anything like you know fantastic. Right. right. So I think I think it was smart enough. You know, I think it was a smart idea to. They Get away high from that. Yeah, they on a majority of their players, but not all. I, I'd say almost too few of them have paid out where they should have. I mean, yes, you've got great potential guys, mm-hmm. but no one has taken that next step and actually established himself as an NBA star. Really? Well, yeah, I think I think Embiid would have been that guy, but he he's consistently hurt. Noel, I mean, he was he was hurt, so he really didn't he's get got a chance to game develop. As well. Develop now, Okafor stepping into where he's got no one around him, so he can develop. So I think it's more of you know the plan looks bright, and the plan still has it, oh, it's, I think its, it's spots where it yeah. can it can succeed. But I think it was just a lot of bad luck on the side of the Sixers. And I think getting rid of Hinky or pushing Hinky out the door because that's what it kind of seems like yeah. was the wrong move for Philadelphia. I think the one question I have, or the one comparison I want to make is it's very similar to college football, even where it's mm-hmm. you'll see a head coach, you know put in time with the team, and they may not do great, but he's starting to bring in his guys. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you see that impact made two, three years later. And when a new coach comes in takes over, an instant success, like Charlie Weiss, Notre Dame style, mm-hmm. it's you see him make this success, and it's like, well, those aren't his guys. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to see with the Colangelos, unless they decide that, look, this whole thing was stupid. We're going to go, and we're going to get NBA-level talent right now. That we're going to trade our assets, and like, we're going to get a team out there for you. I think that's... Honestly, that's what I think the plan is going to be. Because Do you think that's the right move? I, I see that flopping. You know Completely what? The way, the way I see it is they're going to lean towards that because they've been putting a stinker out there so long. They've been putting a stinker out there so long. They're putting the worst team out there. There have been like so loyal long. fans that have been like, fuck this team. Like Stephen A., who has been like the Philly, talking about Philly, being from Philly. Don't you want to talk about that team? I don't want to talk about that team because they disgrace me so much. There's some of the things you hear. Of course, we get the fans that travel to Brooklyn and go, we got draft picks. Which is just fantastic. And get to I, taunt the Nets. They could, they could have gone that route, which is, let's go get ourselves established players and make this playoff the push. Aging, mm-hmm. The aging big two, and, the big three. And it's just like, look, you, know you what, have no future. You know yeah. what I think is ironic? If you go back to that 11-12 season, 76ers, 35 wins. Charlotte Bobcats, seven wins. Look at them now. Almost the exact difference. Fair enough, but I mean, they also but drafted and they... I they, say, Charlotte Bobcats ended up... The Bobcats are actually ten wins above where the Sixers were then, and the Sixers are 
three wins better yeah, than because they, well, they, they got talent in the draft. Yeah, they got Kemba Walker. And they got, you know, they got well, they I'm built just saying, around look at, players. Two different, like, no, the Hornets the are a team that not even do, like, not many teams are doing this trust the process shit. Right. But they're a team that, look at that, they were seven wins four years ago. Now they're the sixth seed in the East. And I know the East is weaker than the West. But that's the thing. So they have built that team up through the draft and mm-hmm. free agency. And I think that's the downside of Hinky is he only wanted to use the draft. Yep. He did not use free agency like most other teams. He saw it as, I'm going to go out and I'm going to sign some cheap guys and just bring them in to fill out the roster mm-hmm. and I'm going to let my youth play. I think if he... If He's he, like the reverse Tom Thibodeau. I think if he, yeah. had, I think he had, if he had one more season where he could have gotten a guy in this draft... If he goes out and gets and, like a Ben well, why Simmons... Are you not in your I just... I why don't... You, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think gets Ben Simmons they, in the draft. Are you telling me the that, guy that he doesn't look like a genius? The guy that we're saying needs to develop a better jump shot and isn't as NBA ready as... Players that we've seen, oh, I, you I think Brandon Ingram. It's the same question. I think the thing I is, think this, I think the thing is with the Sam Hinky process is you don't give him another year because even if he got someone from this draft, it doesn't change the problem. The what? problem is what we've been saying. Oh well, they need time to develop. Well, in three years, he may look like a genius, but as of right now. Even getting a guy in the draft, it hasn't worked thus far. So what makes well, you think it hasn't, it's going to work right away? It's always worked. It's worked for some people. Like we said, Ofer's turned out great. Look at uh, Minnesota. They've got talent, uh, Dario overseas who could come over and instant impact. It's just the fact that up to this point, not enough moves have been made correctly. So I can see them going out, gain a Ben Simmons in this draft. Multiple, actually, I'm sorry, they have what, like four picks this Well, they can, and, if the Lakers fall to four, they can get one and four. Yeah. Like, or you know even less. I mean they can they can get a, a you can, they're going to end up with multiple picks. impact players and, and have about like and four the one thing picks. I yeah. want to say about the keep because this is the second time we've mentioned the Timberwolves. Well, that's because the team did well, it right. I know. I just want to say that number one, Andrew Wiggins was a guy they got their some of their young talent. It helps get through two. a trade, yeah. but also Andrew Wiggins more NBA ready. Then even if I would say like it, Andrew Wiggins when Don't he came it. out more NBA ready than like an Ingram or a Simmons no. I would take Andrew Wiggins I would take Ben Simmons I think Ben Simmons is going to be better than Wiggins and I Wiggins think gonna... is a an amazing closer he can he can score uh, so many different ways but Ben Simmons has an all around game that's comparable to a handful of people in the NBA all time you can, that that's his upside this kid can be LeBron James. So I mean I think I think if you had a LeBron James I think that's a, I think that's worth what we're the seeing out of Giannis in the last two weeks of this season is what we're expecting to see out of him, but better very early on, but even better exactly. Like we can see that that escalation. I think I think you know if you're a Sixers fan, I think you should be kind of disheartened by Sam Hinkie leaving because you don't have this guy with a plan. You don't have this idea. And while yeah, you have to suffer a bit. You have to suffer for three years. If you have J- J- you know Ja. And you have Nerlens, and you have Embiid, and you have Saric, and you have Simmons. You have all these guys, and I know all of those guys are over like 6'10". But if you have all those guys, and all of those develop in the way you want, this is a championship contender that could be a dynasty. Like, that's a team that is, you know, 
a, a monster. It's just you need that time to develop, and you're getting rid of the guy who was worth and wait or ready to wait for it. You're giving Philadelphia a future that they can hope for, and now they really don't because now they don't know if they're going to have any of these guys because, you know, the Colangelos might think, all right, we're, we're going to get rid of Okafor, and we're going to try to bring in someone who's ready. And, you know, we might make a mistake and get the wrong guy. We might bring someone in like – I, I really don't know like who who would who would job bring mm-hmm. in and you know who's even on the trade block, but they might bring in a guy who is overrated or you know or is kind of on the latter half of his career, and they might t- totally just screw up the you know screw up this whole process of the Sixers. I just the one thing I keep thinking is, in and this goes back to any sport nowadays, it's win now. You don't have it's like Dave well, the said NBA with the is college a quicker turnaround because well, the impact of one player matters so much more. I'm not even saying just basketball, but like you brought up college football, it's the same thing. You a college coach comes in, you got to almost win right away because you don't have that four years. Yeah, you could recruit to have fantastic in two yeah. years, but if your team's not performing now, it doesn't matter what those guys will yeah, be. Yeah, it's a win now. And the one thing, the one draft that I go back to that you mentioned was the MB draft. The one thing, and I know all the could have, should haves, what ifs, but I'm throwing out one here. What if they didn't go with Embiid and they went with a guy like Marcus Smart or even an Aaron Gordon who went right after it for just somebody different with Embiid? Would that have changed well, things enough? Yeah, because you would have had a guy to be there. No, that's what I'm saying. Embiid really hasn't. That's what I'm saying. Played like what ten games? No, that, basically that, none. That's what I'm saying. Like even if it's a Julius Randle or anybody that went after Embiid. I think that's the defining moment. But out of was, those players, you still look at Embiid, and I'm going, he still has a higher upside. Yeah, having not played a single game, like like being injured, if is, he can I stay mean, healthy. But when does when having the, a yep. bigger upside eventually turns to we got to fucking win games, bro? Word of the day: potential, people. Yep. Potential. And, uh, now we're gonna. It go makes over, the NBA draft go batshit. I think we. I think we've been running out the uh, the hinky talk. We should probably go over to Phil Jackson talking about potential here, a team with maybe a lot of potential. Maybe you know a lot of back here. Maybe they uh, they need some draft picks. Maybe they need some draft picks. Mello, and, could you work on that and waive that no trade clause? And maybe, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Mello staying. Maybe Kurt Rambis is staying. Maybe There's, Kurt Rambis is the answer, people. Uh, maybe we're we're gonna talk about Kurt Rambis possibly being the future head coach for the New York Knicks. There's long term, baby. There's talks about him being the long term head coach for the New York Knicks. Is this a bad move? I can't see how it's a good move. <laughs> I don't think how anything in New York is a good move. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at the Kurt Rambis goggles picture. I mean, <laughs> wow. Rambis, I mean, he's he t- he took over for a bad team, and he hasn't done anything with this team. And you well, have, what, what can you do with this team? You've nothing. got Porzingis, <laughs> it's a shit and you've got team. Mello, and you've got an okay Aflalo when he's healthy. I mean, it's just like there's not cheap enough Aflalo. pieces. Uh, no, there's not. I mean, you have Melo, who Melo's your star, but Melo's aging. That might be the trade that the Sixers might be like. Oh yeah, we we're gonna get rid of Okafor and you know get if get, you, get if Anthony, you up, who's like you know you know falling off of the latter half of his career and just right, go to another. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go two K Ricky on this shit. All right, do it. We're giving up Okafor. We're giving up Embiid? our no no no. You got it, it's got to be Okafor. It's got to be your first pick coming up, and possibly another pick, but may, probably not the Lakers. Like one of those two out of the Lakers in their first. Or one of the later ones. So it's going to be two first-rounders, pretty much, and Ja, ja for Mello. So, yeah. that, that's, that's the only thing. But, I mean, contracts, I don't even know. I, I, I think, it's insane. I think, you know, you have, you have Porzingis, who's obviously, you know, this bright spot here. Mm-hmm. But 
Is Kurt Rambis, could Kurt Rambis do anything? Or is it mostly Phil Jackson's side where he needs to bring in different players? What do you think needs to change in New York? Do you think Kurt Rambis could do something with a team? Do you think they're like, all right, well, Kurt Rambis knows the, the, I the, think the, the triangle is, offense system? I think this is exactly that. Phil trusts Kurt. They have a relationship from L.A., and it's like, hey, you know what? Derek Fisher I thought was going to be my boy. I need someone to run the triangle. Let's go. You're going to be my guy. You're the guy I can trust to be my yes man and run what I want to run. And the one thing I want to say is when I was watching ESPN and they were talking about Kurt Rambis, one of the biggest things that the pundits brought up was, oh, well, did you see his two years in Minnesota? How many games he won? Did you see the fucking roster on those teams? Like, yeah, you had Kevin Love, but your starting center was Darko Milicic. Which yeah, that's how you would, draft right. Some would say, <laughs> not even drafted by the T-Wolves. It's true. It's no, drafted, drafted by, by the Pistons. Pistons. Yeah, you won a championship would, earlier than LeBron. Let me remind you we, that. Mm-hmm. We, know, we, know the, we know the whole story of that draft. Yep. You, you missed out on Carmelo and D-Wade and, and well, Bosch. Some would say he's better than them. Some would say he's better because he got a ring first. But the starting five in the last year in Minnesota— Milicic Love, Michael B. Easley, B. Wesley Easy. Johnson, and Luke Ridenour. I mean... That's your starting five. Do you really think... I mean, Anthony Randolph was on that team, Wayne Ellington, Johnny Flynn. Well, I mean, Johnny Flynn, great pick again. It's like, did you expect that team to do anything and not go 17-65? and 65? So you think you should, Kurt Rambis should get a shot? Yeah, I think he should, and the Knicks are the only team where he would get that shot. Unless I think Phil Jackson goes to L.A. I think Kurt Ramos is at least a step up from Derek Fisher. I, I hate saying that. Like, I halfway through that thought, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to regret this. But I think he's at least a step up because he's been an NBA coach. He has some experience. He's a older guy because it's, it's hard taking, you know, constructive words from Derek Fisher when, mm-hmm. you know, last year you were kicking his ass. Yeah. So... I think there's a different level of respect that comes with having Kirk step in here. Professionalism, definitely. I mean, no no flying across the country, crazy stories. So what I see is someone stable for Phil to coach and mentor into running his system. Will that happen successfully? I mean, define, define success. If it means winning more games, I don't know, because... They need new pieces. All right. and Kurt just, Ram- and if I was Kurt Kurt Rambis, Rambis, I'd flip over the chessboard and be like, I need a new team. <laughs> well, Kurt Rambis was technically the head coach in 98-99 for the Lakers. I know Rick, Fosh, Der- uh, Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, Kobe, Sheck, Ty Lue. Ty Lue. Pretty good team. That's step over. So, I mean, hey, look at what he can do with a good team. Do you think Do you think Phil stays around, though? Do you think? Do you yeah, think- he's getting paid $12 million. Yeah, he's going to stick for that money. It's Cause, hard cause to you, say you kind no of brought You kind of brought up that, you know, the Lakers might be looking at bringing, it, bringing back Phil Jackson. Not for coaching, obviously, but, like, you, but, know, uh, you, you brought maybe it up. Maybe he's a bus replacement. Uh, obviously, his wife, Jeannie, uh, owns the organization, runs it, but her brother is definitely on the can't hot fight, seat. Can't fire Jim. I think you got to fire Jim. I think <laughs> what you need a new Johnny? VP. I think you need a new VP uh, of uh, basketball operations. His name is little Phil Jackson. So basically the Bring Thea, the, Zen the back home. Lespin of uh, or Epstein of the Lakers. That's what he's going to be. Bring him back. Bring him back. Bring him back. I mean, do you think Phil Jackson has the right vision? We just talked about Sam Hinkie's vision. Does Sam Hinkie need to be the new GM no. of the Knicks? No. Sam Hinkie destroyed Hinkie. that Philly team. I think I think I think we're on complete different spectrums mm-hmm. of yeah. Hinkie right there. And I think, uh, but but I mean, do you do you think Phil has that vision? I think Phil still cares about the Lakers more than the Knicks. 
even though he's not. He more you cares know. about weed. Well, I mean, well, he enjoys his free time. <laughs> he is a Zen master. Well, I mean, what was it, Stephen A. that said on um, Sports Center or whatever show that he was on, or probably said it on numerous songs, where he's like, "Yeah, he only took it for the money. Doesn't want to be here. Kept raising the price until." Dolan got high enough to where it was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll take it. And doesn't want to be in New York, doesn't care about New York. I don't, I don't know if he doesn't really care. Like, doesn't care saying, he wants to do a good job, yeah. I feel. But at the same time... He was a Nick. That was, that was his career. Come at on. the same time, I go, he did draft Porzingis, and you guys fucking went batshit crazy when he drafted him. And now it looks like, it. okay, might have not been as bad as don't we wanted. Don't question decisions. However, Kurt Rambis can only work for Phil Jackson, and that's how it is. Like, Phil Jackson needs that guy who's going to run the triangle. Kurt Rambis, I said it before, he can be the yes man to Phil Jackson. You think he has no other options in the NBA as far as uh, no. head coaching? No, it, I mean, Luke Walton. All, all the other coaches. Are, are we talking the Knicks or are we talking Kurt I'm talk, Rambis? I'm talking the Knicks. Well, like, the Phil Knicks, Jackson has no other options. They could go Luke Walton. There's Thibodeau's out there. There are names out I, there. I think the concern is money because Phil's taking up so much money up top mm-hmm. that you can't mm-hmm. afford a you Luke can pay Walton. Kurt, you can Luke pay Walton's Kurt a top cheaper dollar. than you would pay Walton or yeah. Thibodeau. I mean, I think I think Walton fits best, and I think you know you are in New York. You have you have you have a lot of money there. I mean, yeah, I, so I think Phil's making more money than I think they 12, can. I think they can mil. swing it though. I think they can find find some way to sign Luke Walton. But I mean, obviously, if they're trying to save money, then yeah, they'll go with Kurt Rambis. But I think that's going to set this team back a lot, even with the roster. I mean, Kurt Rambis, he's a good assistant head coach, or he's a good assistant head coach. But I don't know if he is the guy, and I don't think he should be the guy anywhere. And I, I mean, looking at Luke Walton, I think Luke Walton is the big ticket out there. And I think Luke has proven that he can do well. I mean, even though he has the best team in the NBA, I still think he's he's done a fantastic job. My case in point, there's an article on the New York Knicks ESPN team page that says, Kurt Rambis, Knicks didn't practice triangle enough under Derek Fisher. Boom, that's why. Hey, that is why but he's they the haven't done anything. For but he's calling they, out Derek he's Fisher. He's calling out Derek Fisher, and that is why Kurt Rambis is being the guy. Like That's why he's going to be the head coach of the Knicks. Because he's going to not even just run the triangle. He's going to work on the triangle. He's going to embed that triangle into brains. And so I think that'd be fantastic. Think about this. I mean, we've always had the concerns about Carmelo and his work ethic. Uh, so, I mean, if you can get a head coach who is passionate enough to get his buy-in, mm-hmm. then, yeah, maybe the triangle could work for this team. Maybe they are one, two players away in free agency from making this team flip around to be, mm-hmm. you know, a sixth seed in the playoffs in the East. That's not too. That's not asking too much in one season. Uh, expecting you know Porzingis's growth and seeing how weak the East is. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that the the Knicks can turn it around in a year? Do you think they will do it this year and get into the playoffs next year? I, I think with they could be a playoff Rambis. team next year with Kurt Rambis. Absolutely, I think that's definitely within their realm. Ricky depends on. To me, it depends on who they get in free agency and who they will. Not going to get in the draft. They have no draft picks. But <laughs> but they could they trade some players for draft picks. If they trade people for draft picks, I feel confident in Rambis as a coach, but only for the Knicks because he runs the triangle. He knows and that's the what system. Phil needs. I think that Phil you know, needs a yes man. I, th- I think looking at this, I think looking at it, I don't think the Knicks are making the playoffs next year with Rambis that they had. I just don't think you know. You, you need a point guard there. Maybe you bring in Rondo. But I mean, we there's character concerns with Rondo. Will he work with Melo? Will he work with Porzingis? I just don't see 
that guy out there in free agency that they could sign and make this team much better. And I don't think Carmelo can carry this team anymore. I think he needs a lot of help. And again, can Porzingis develop? I just don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think the Knicks are making the playoffs next year with Rambus at the head. And even even with Luke Walton at the head, I still don't see it happening. I, I, I think you know this team is still a couple years away from making the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean, unless something absolutely crazy happens where Melo restructures a contract. Or you trade Melo. Or, or he thro- throws out his no-trade clause. That's the only quick switch for this team. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait out that contract. You're going to luckily have you know, Porzingis developing in the meantime, but you're, you're kind of stuck on hold for a couple of years until you have some availability, some options available to you. Any final thoughts just, I mean, about this topic, about any of the topics we touched upon or any topics we didn't touch upon? Bill would be happier in L.A., and I think that <laughs> he really should take it, but he's not going to because cash money's the... He's all about the green, man. Maybe you should try to go. Yeah, maybe you should go to uh, Denver. Be all about that green up there. Anyways, let's gonna wrap it up for this week's fast break podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We covered Kurt Rambis. We covered Sam Hinkie. We covered Thon Maker. What else could you ask for? So just you know, tell us how big of an idiot we are in the comments. Maybe, maybe an award, a wooden award winning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Buddy Hill. Yeah, maybe we should talk about Buddy Hill more. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. If you're on SoundCloud, hit that red light button. Repost this to all your friends. Follow us on. SoundCloud, so you never miss a fast break. Onside Kick, Primetime Podcast, all the great content we're giving you on SoundCloud. If you're on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to our channel. We hit a thousand, so thank you very much for that. We didn't mention that. Thank you so much for doing that for us. Uh, we, we we're so glad, we're so happy, and uh, we wouldn't be here uh, without you guys. And uh, you know, we we appreciate it here. And uh, I think we might be doing some more stuff if you guys uh, keep supporting us. So yeah, and you uh, also got share this video out. Help us get. More than a thousand. I was getting there. Now that you guys did it, Sean, I'll let you take it. I, I thought you weren't going to add it in. Share this video if you really <laughs> loved it, because you know. Share we, all we, of our videos. We appreciate you, you know, watching, and uh, you know, it, there's a great social media guy for MVP Network, and if you do want to, you know, talk, I, talk I hear, to us, I hear he's a great looking guy. Too. I hear he's sexy man. Uh, and if you do want to talk to us, you know, follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. If you are on Snapchat. You know, add us as a friend, also at Most Valuable Pod. You know, follow us on Facebook. Well, tell your mom to like us on Facebook because really, that's who's that's who's on Facebook nowadays. And uh, anyways, I think that's gonna wrap it up. I think that's all our social media stuff we got. So uh, for Ricky, for Dave, I'm Sean Anderson, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.